Welcome to Fill to Flourish with Luke and Lauren, where emotional health takes a stage and your story matters. Hey everyone, it's just me today on the podcast as I'm making um, an episode kind of diving into the beautiful nuances that we can learn from the series Handmaid's Tale. Um, I think this this is a Hulu original, I believe, um, and <clears throat> came out a few years ago. I recently had the chance to watch and finish the series. There's one more season that's coming out next year, I believe, but if you haven't watched this, this review will probably not be that meaningful to you. But if you have, and if you know people who have, please feel free to share this as throughout the series, I was taking some notes on the different aspects of abuse, oppression, power that the show highlighted so that I could come on and share this with our audience. Um, This show did a phenomenal job capturing the nature of trauma and um, the effects of trauma on humans in in the midst and in the aftermath. It did a phenomenal job. And, you know, story writers, um, they do so much research that goes into these things. They research trauma. They do so many interviews. They don't just make a series from, you know, what's in their head. They really, um, sorry, I should say it is a book. So when when you have to take the book and adapt it to screen, there's so much that goes into that of how you're going to portray it. Um, but the book I have not read yet. Uh, Margaret Atwood, I believe, is the author. And she wrote it in the 90s, I think, which is just crazy um, how the, these themes are timeless because that was almost 30 years ago. And it is um, uncanny how well she captures the dynamics of abuse and trauma and depression. Um So I'm going to get into some of the details, and if you are a Handmaid's Tale follower, fan, groupie, whatever, um, this will hopefully be really um, a good conversation because I just kept wanting to process and debrief what I was watching, Um, but so that made me want to do an episode like this. So first and foremost, I want to highlight um, June's love for her daughter, This, the way they um, um, tried to capture a mother's love and desire to protect their child from harm was phenomenal. And then the uh, ensuing powerlessness that she, that just about destroyed her, that she couldn't, that she couldn't get her daughter back that she couldn't make sure her daughter was safe. Um, the way that this actress, June, um, I can't remember her her name, but the way that June showed what this must have felt like was phenomenal. Absolutely um, gut-wrenchingly, you could feel it in your bones as you watched her uh, be in agony over losing her daughter and then not being able to get her back and get her to safety. Uh, I feel like that part of the movie really is like the, the core part of the angst because June's an adult going through all of this trauma and your heart is like beyond devastated for her. But you know that she would go through all of it if it meant she could protect her daughter, but she couldn't. And 
each show and each season, you see how that is her driving motivation of this is so unbearable and beyond horrific. And I have to get my daughter out of this place of oppression um, and how it never, it never stopped. She never stopped um, having that desire and that, that just driving motivation. And that I think is so um, accurately showing the heart of a mother um, of many mothers, not all mothers, not all parents, but of, of many, many mothers. <clears throat> the friendship between Moira and June, um, wow, this was, again, just how they showed um, the realness of their relationship and how uh, sometimes there was, there was such an anger that, you know, Moira was trying to get June out and June wanted to stay and just so much um, love for each other and how they shared that in at different times in different parts of their lives. Their, their love and commitment to one another uh, was so beautiful. I think uh, while um, June's relationship with Luke was incredible, um, I think that the female relationships in this show were so incredibly moving, the most moving, and how they were willing to truly lay down their lives and sacrifice themselves and their well-being for someone else's potential well-being. Uh, it was just, it was just so, so beautiful. So I'm going to talk in just a minute about some of the effects that they showed, uh, showcased really well of trauma. But um, first, I want to point out the friendship that June had, all of the, the girls that she was kind of taking this role of being um, a caregiver to and a protector of, and how motivating that was for her, how much purpose that gave her in the midst of such agony. Um, she was kind of uh, felt this very real calling to to care for them and to try and protect them and then when she couldn't and she actually her actions actually brought harm how much it just absolutely destroyed her I'm thinking of the scene where um, the two girls were were pushed off the this um, the rooftop and how you just saw like June die in those moments because she was given so much power uh, that the abusers wanted her to have to manipulate her. And then they would use that power to try and get what they wanted, but someone inevitably suffered or died. Um, and how the mind games of this massive psychological abuse, you know, this show is, um, is extreme, very, very extreme. However, abuse is abuse. And there are themes and connections that are uncanny in all abuse, regardless of how quote mild and how extreme it is. And I think that's why shows like this are really, really powerful as a society to watch and learn from, because you can, you can see how um, abuse works in such a situation um, that's this extreme and hopefully, you know, never, never experienced by the average person. Um, but how it connects to things that are experienced by the average person um, in relationships and families and institutions and situations. And also, I just want to draw the parallel to um, that time frame and how women were treated isn't that far from how women have been treated for generations, from, from for as long as we know up until more recent history. Um, women were property, women were seen for what they could reproduce, women were seen um, as uh, sexual outlets, 
women were not given voice, they were not given political um, power, they were not given much of anything except what the people above them wanted from them and how it benefited them as a society. And so that's what they're given as a society as a, as a whole. And so I was thinking like, this is actually not so far from reality, especially when you think of marginalized groups um, that are either enslaved or oppressed women in those groups, it's actually almost identical, you know, minus some some artistic um, privilege that they took license that they took in the show. It's almost identical to what like um, slaves in, in American history, slave women went through, um, men, men as well, but the specific um, sexual part and the reproduction part, it's almost identical. And so as I, I listened to Margaret Atwood, the author of the book, and she said that she, when she wrote this, she decided to write nothing that was that never happened so everything she wrote has happened at some point in history none of it is um made up it's a conglomeration of all um the ways and the harm that that people have done in different cultures and generations and um i thought that was incredibly powerful so <clears throat> the friendships that june had and the protection and then Rita, um, the the Martha that lived in June's house originally, how she um, didn't really have space, didn't really have capacity to be kind and to reach out to the other women in the house that were also being oppressed. And I thought that was such an interesting thing that they highlighted because trauma has a way of changing you so much that even other people in your situation, you can't necessarily just join um, join hands with and partner with because you are so um, you're so under the weight of such a heavy blanket of oppression that you're different and you don't have access to that safe and social state of connection. It's just too too difficult and you become hard and jaded. And I feel like they did a really good job in showing that. And over time, Rita did soften um, because of relationship and connection and how she learned, she loved June and she saw June's, um, June going out of her way to help other people. And I think that really softened Rita. And then June and Rita became this beautiful connection and friendship. Um, I thought that was really, really amazing, but also just wanted to honor that, you know, not all of these women could be June, not all of them could be under such heavy oppression and be this fighting warrior for everyone. It just, it wasn't possible. They were all doing the best that they could. Um, so one of the most, um, if I said, who is the most uh, just intriguing character of this whole show. I was thinking the whole time, Serena. Um, I'm not sure about you, but the whole time I was just like, wow, you you hate her. And you also are like just hoping deep down inside that she changes and that she sees the oppression and that how she's part of it. So just because she has a few more privileges than the rest of these women, just because, you know, they're... Uh, by proximity, she has some freedoms because of who she's, she's in the upper class and she's married to a commander and blah, 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 but how she still is just as oppressed, how she still is um, uh, oppressed and becoming the oppressor by her, her cooperation with the oppression and even instigation of it at times. Um, so I, I had this love hate relationship with Serena the whole time. And 
Oh, I just, I, when she began to see it after uh, her husband sanctioned that her finger would get cut off for asking if they could read and reading in public, um, reading the Bible, which is just crazy because um, the woman, again, weren't allowed to read at all. Um, she got her finger cut off and um, you could see it broke a facade in her. It broke these protective parts of her that kind of kept her true self down and that kind of kept um, kept this 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 facade of um, this is good, this is for the betterment of society, I agree with this. And it just kind of shattered that. And you could see they showed this really well. And her eyes were opened. And then watching that angst as her eyes were open and not knowing what to do because she really had no other option. There was no other viable choice for her, um, but she wanted out. And to see her make her way um, towards kind of setting the system uh, afire, setting it on fire, um, and then her go back. That was so, oh my gosh, I just, I wanted to die inside when I saw her set aside what she knew, a, the deep knowing that she had about the truth of this society, her setting it aside again for her own good, for her to get back position, a little bit of power and what she wanted, what she wanted was she wanted her daughter back um and it was a beautiful scene when she let uh, nicole go and she let that happen that was so powerful but then seeing that she kind of reneged on that and how she had to rejoin with um the system to to have a voice and to get what she wanted potentially um that last episode where they're in the train together i it was just there aren't really words for how um, how well they captured the ironic energy of that that scene, and I'm interested to see how how things look moving forward. Um, <clears throat> but I think that this does happen, and I've certainly known individuals who have their eyes open to really significant injustices and problems within systems, within families, within their own relationship. Um, and they see it. They really do see it. And then they go back. Um, this is common. And this is uh, tragic. This is really, really tragic. Uh, it's effect. It's an effective abuse and it's effective survival and wanting to survive um, in a in a position where you you choose power and oppression that side or you choose no power and being oppressed yourself. And I think a lot of people choose it, and it's it's really devastating. Um, so a few a few of the themes that I noticed. Um, so the indoctrination and the brainwashing was incredibly effective and it was very calculated. Um, the prayers they would have them say, like the things that they would have the handmaidens repeat over and over and over and how um, the auntie um, would drill into them these quote truths over and over morning until night to get them to comply and to get them in alignment and how that coupled with the use of force was all that was needed. That was the equation to get these handmaids to be 100% enslaved to the system and cooperative. However, there were still some that bucked the system. There were still some that just, um, that couldn't, that could not 
uh, as much as they tried to suppress their inner knowing and their inner voice, they could not un unsee what was happening and be okay with how they were being um, abused and mistreated and how those women ended up being kind of the voice for the other woman that could only survive, um, that, that they couldn't they couldn't fight back. Um, one of the um, particularly interesting patterns that I saw in this of how this worked was, so it's just this vicious cycle of compliance and then they get so sick of complying and they rebel because it's so, so deeply uh, screaming in their soul, the injustice of it. So they would rebel and then they'd have this harsh, harsh discipline of them or someone that they loved. And then they would fall into despair again, which would almost create this, uh, this shutdown in their nervous systems of just complete and total hopelessness, helplessness, and despair, which then would, would uh, facilitate compliance again, and how the abusers use this system very effectively, um, cutting off hands, gouging out eyes, these things were so extreme. And that's why they were so effective, right? Um, but it doesn't take such extreme things to create uh, terror and despair. In compliance. Um, but this highlighted, you know, doing that, this, this highlighted it in a really pronounced way um, that was hard to not see that pattern. Um, the conflicted loyalties, I don't know if you noticed this, but these, um, these women were so in such inner turmoil, so conflicted of who to kind of be my people, who's my new tribe right now, who do I take care of, who do I advocate for, um, because there was so much harm in, in the relationships, um, you could tell just how conflicted they were in, um, and who to, who to be, who to side with. And who to, you know, if, if you side with the people who are fighting the oppression, you are going to face significant harm, abuse, and even death. And so you could just see their loyalties going back and forth. I'm thinking of one woman who actually ended up telling, um, she was a black handmaid. I don't remember her name. She had like three babies and then she was pregnant with a fourth. And she ended up telling on, um, the the auntie that was helping June see her daughter um and the woman was killed and that handmaiden that handmaid actually made that happen and everyone was horrified that she could be that she could have sided with the oppressor but you would hear her talk about it and you'd hear her be a parrot of their words and it was so um just horrifying to see her do that. And you just wanted her to, to stop. Um, but she kind of to her death, she uh, went on the side of the oppressor. And I think you saw a lot of that in the show, The Conflicted Loyalties. And I think they showed that really, really well, how it's not so simple. So some of the effects, um, <clears throat> some of the effects, so how hard it is to break free from trauma. Um, you know, a lot of people oversimplify this, but in the show, again, they showed it in such a pronounced way that um, there are sometimes really, truly no viable options, that there are um, powers and situations at hand that are so strong and so out of your control that no matter what you want to do, you really feel like you don't have a way out. 
And they showed this so well. And I think this is so true far beyond Handmaid's Tale that it's not, it is so incredibly difficult to get out of abusive situations often. And when you do try, the, the backlash of doing so is um, so disabling and debilitating and devastating that it, it really does keep many people from, from trying because it's just, um, it's too unbearable. Um, I, I liked how they showed the different responses of like shutdown and dissociation. They showed this really, really well in the different scenes of how seeing such horror, like human bodies were not designed to see such horrific things and what it does to the nervous system when that happens and how dissociation and shutdown is so incredibly warranted and understandable. And so, um, you know, seeing people that were non-responsive or were just walking around very robotically or completely just checked out emotionally, even when they were needed, um, it, it's purely a survival response to such significant trauma. Um, this was a really interesting element that I know they were very purposeful in doing, but how the abusers made the victims complicit in their own abuse and the abuse of others. This is very, um, this is a key part of abuse is, is complicity and how abusers always want to make you complicit because it makes you partner with them and it makes their oppression your fault too. And it is one of the most evil, vile um, aspects of abuse, honestly. And so I'm thinking of the scenes where they would do the public hangings of people, and then they would have the handmaids actually pull the, the platform out from under them. So they were, in essence, the ones who killed these, these innocent people. Um, although, of course, they didn't actually kill them. They didn't... Um, they didn't intend to kill them. They didn't want to kill them, but they had no choice. They had no power in the situation. And so making these, these women, these girls pull the, the cord and have these people be, be killed was incredibly uh, effective way to dehumanize and disempower and blame them, make them just as complicit in their minds, because this is what abuse does as the rest of them. So how do you fight a system that you're a part of? How do you get out of oppression that you're that you're committing, that you're perpetuating. Um, very, very uh, wise choice to include that in what was happening um, because that is such a part of abuse. So aftermath, how the haunting of these stories, oh my gosh, these women were, were just, haunted by their story and the rest of the world went on and they just um I remember Emily was sitting in an office doctor's appointment at one point and the doctor was going through all the specialists she needed to see and she needed to do this and this and this and this and this and you could just tell she was just like frozen in the midst of her story it was almost like she got out but she was frozen in a block of ice in that same place still and, and, and you look at that and you look at how do you recover from such a daunting um, experience and story. And uh, I think this is a lot of what abuse and trauma survivors feel like is like the rest of the world is doing all these things and I am stuck. Feeling stuck is such a core um, 
um, experience for a trauma survivor is just feeling so, so, so stuck. Um, and I feel like they showed that so well, these stories just, just absolutely um, capturing and consuming these women, making them feel incredibly um, stuck back in what was still happening, even though they were out uh, for all intents and purposes, they were free, but the, none of them felt free. None of them lived free. Um, some more than others, but it was just, it was brutal for all of them. So um, I thought it was interesting how they showed June getting back and seeing Luke for the first time and how she was so worried that he was going to be mad at her for not bringing home um, Hannah, for not bringing their daughter home out of Gilead. And that was just so like, what? what? Why is she saying that? But then you realize, oh, they made her believe that everything was her fault. Her abusers would always tell her that everything was her fault. You know, she would do something to try and help people, and then they would murder someone else to get her back. And all of these horrific things they always blamed on her, even though they were the they were the perpetrators, right? Um, and so when she came back to her husband, who she knew to be absolutely devastated that his wife was gone for those years and so thrilled she was back she just all she could say is I'm so sorry I didn't bring her back and she was just absolutely broken over that and um that was the effect of the trauma the, the fact that she thought he would actually have thought less of her for surviving something that most people couldn't um the anger so some of the things I saw that the anger and the vengefulness um the dysfunction that you saw in the thought processes um, and then the withdrawn states, so incredibly realistic. And I don't say those words with any judgment, like vengefulness is usually seen negatively. Um, I'm not, I'm not sure it is negative. Um, June, you know, killing and the things that she, that she had to do in response to her anger and to her, her rage at how deeply she was wounded and violated, like the killing of Fred. Um, you know, it's easy to say, oh, it's clear, there's clear morals here, but um, I don't think that there is. I don't think that there is. And I love that they didn't try to make a recovery, some nice little pretty package because it isn't, it's brutal. And it is, uh, takes every ounce of you and it's layered and complex and it looks very different from day to day for different people. And so the anger, the despair, the vengefulness, the, the dysfunction, the not being willing to connect with even safe people, the not uh, wanting to do anything that brings them joy or, or lightness, all of those things are just completely normal responses. And they show the different woman having these responses, um, and I thought it was really, really done really well. Um, so then like Emily going back after all of that, going back to uh, the abuse and this, the, the oppression. Um, and I think a lot of times you get so used to uh, life being a certain way and being in those survival states that getting out of them and actually feeling calm and maybe even like getting close to a sense of safe and social or peace. Um, it's so uncomfortable. It's so unnerving. And I think a lot of trauma survivors, it's just, it's, it's too unbearable, which sounds so upside down, but you, you don't understand the physiology of the body. If you can't try to capture that, that, that the body is used to what it's used to. And when you ask it to 
feels something incredibly different, it feels terrifying. And it takes a while for you to learn how to feel good again, a long while. And um, some of these women just, they were too, they were too broke and they couldn't. Um, and so June ended up killing, um, becoming more aggressive, more violent. That scene where they showed um, her having sex with Luke the first time, maybe the second too, like, and you saw her getting aggressive and you saw her needing to like dominate and assert power. It was a little bit uncomfortable. It's like, is she, is she raping him? Um, but then, you know, I think that they, they have those, that complexity in there of just showing she needed to get power back after being so incredibly disempowered and dehumanized sexually and exploited and violated every word you can think of that she experienced in the context of her sexual world she she needed to not perpetuate that but to have power back um and to to show to to be embodied in that way of empowerment and because you know her husband was consenting so it's not like it was not consensual um but i thought that was a really interesting thing that they showed and how they showed that relationship you know they said when these women come back the relationships are not are not easy and that happened with emily she she couldn't reconnect with her partner and with luke and june it was very very hard to reconnect emotionally um and i felt like how they showed them doing that and how patient luke was and how june wanted to but she was so distraught she was so um in so much pain about not being able to save the rest of these people and especially her daughter um it made it really hard for her to be able to be relational and to emotionally let him in to help be like a healing balm but but there were so many beautiful moments of connection um that did happen so you know it was such a mixed bag which i think is totally accurate um and one more big thing, um, actually, I lied, not one more big thing, two, a few more things. So the confused theology that lingers after you leave and in the midst. So this was a theocratic state that was um, all sanctioned, uh, you know, by God under his eye. And they they had this very warped, twisted, oppressive version of uh, faith. And um, oh, my and these women all were brainwashed into believing it with every stoning, with every prayer, with every birth, all of the parts of culture were had faith surrounding them. And so it became their worldview and um, everything they said, praise be, praise be, praise be, um, under his eye, under his eye, like all of the even... Um, niceties uh, were all faith-based. And so you saw when they got out, the different people having very different responses and in the midst of it, you know, people believing it to different levels. Um, but then when they got out and they didn't need to use any of those, that verbiage, and you still saw some of the handmaids using that verbiage, you're just like, what? Like, what is happening? Do they still believe this? And you just, it, it, it really makes you see how impressionable you are when you're under abuse and brainwashing and how that carries out and how that deprogramming um, is a process and is different for everyone. Um, but I really, I respect how they showed everyone being in a different place with, with the confused 
theology and their worldview and their view of self within that. And um, is kind of, kind of mind boggling. Um, like refusing to get angry, some of them, because they, you know, their response was kind of suppression and like calmness and peace. And they didn't want to get angry afterwards. And you're like, gosh, there's so much violation here. Anger has to come out or this isn't actually healing. And um, so those different responses, um, the support of the oppressors, I thought this was another ball out of the ballpark thing that they showed is the people that came in and actually supported Fred and Serena and supported Gilead and supported the way they were doing society and how they were bringing more children into the world and blah, 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 blah. And there was, you know, many supporters and they were reverent and, and they were very committed in how um, this is in, in, in trauma and abuse recovery, this is often called the second wound when there are other people that end up supporting your abusers and vilifying you and how that's like the wound on top of the wound on top of the wound, 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 you know, multiple layers of wound. But I, I think it's really important that they showed that because you think, oh my goodness, people who experience abuse are just welcomed and cushioned and wrapped up by society and loved and supported and given the resources they need and blah, 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 blah. But in reality, a lot of time, they're not believed. And because they're not believed, they're not supported. And because they're not supported, they don't get the resources they need and they don't get what they need to recover. And so they continue to struggle and struggle and struggle. And then people just point to the struggle and say, see, they were a little bit off anyways, or see, they were unstable in the first place. What they've said about so-and-so, it probably isn't true. Um, this is this was just, uh, this could be its whole, whole own episode, how the supporters how that happens and you know some some verbiage calls them flying monkeys like the supporters of the abuser and um this is just they showed this really well and how hard that must have been for the people who knew the truth about Gilead and who knew how incredibly wrong these people were um but they couldn't they couldn't do anything about it so the complexity is in the same thing of of you know you get out and you want to find support and you may find support or you may find further traumatization in this world of all of these toxic allegiances that you saw. So you saw some Canadians screaming for the Americans to go back home. They didn't want the refugees coming from Gilead and they were angry and they they had this, you know, nationalism, this toxic nationalism that um, that further re-traumatized the victims. And so it's not just as simple as, oh, if you have trauma, get out and then recover, get help, you know, get support is the world is complex and the social political factors that go into who's seen as a worthy victim and who's not is incredibly, incredibly complex. And women are, are historically have historically been underbelieved, undersupported, and not their, their experience not validated at all. Um, and they showed this this showed this really well. Um, so I'll just wrap up with how healing looked different for each one of these women. And again, there's one more season left, which I'm sure you're excited about. I definitely am. I'm so eager to see like, can a better be brought home? I don't know how they're going to do that. You know, they really show you in the show how locked down Gilead is and how, how impossible it is to get out, um, which again is a really great picture of systems of abuse especially larger systems, like larger family systems and institutions. Um, there are other bulletproof 
And um, they showed that really, really well. But I am hopeful that they have written an amazing escape for Hannah and hopefully even the destruction of Gilead. A lot of the top people have died, a lot of the top commanders. So that's amazing. Um, but you don't know. So just want to um, highlight that the healing process looked very, very different for each of these women. And um, some appear to be doing better than others, but, you know, it's really hard to say, it's really hard to gauge that. And it's best to just support people exactly where they are, because we don't know what's needed. You know, long periods of anger might be what's needed for them to actually have the resolution and the healing that they need. Um, healing from traumatic experience and abuse is, there's no um, equation for it. And there's, there are societal expectations of it, but there's not um, an actual charted course. Um, there's some some things uh, like feeling and grieving, but there's just not a pattern that it needs to be followed exactly to experience healing. And so um, I think that the writers did an amazing job showing each of them trying to recover from the unrecoverable. And I had that love but devastated response to the series. I really, really appreciated the storytelling and the character development. They were phenomenal. Um, I think one of the most important shows on abuse and institutionalized abuse ever done. I think everyone needs to watch it if they can tolerate it. Um, but I think it was so, so, so well done how they communicated these big, big themes. And I've just touched on them. Like there was lots of episodes and I, you know, I didn't, I didn't get all of them. I'd love to hear, I would love to hear um, it, what your thoughts were and maybe some themes or reactions to trauma that I didn't, didn't capture in this, you know, very abbreviated conversation. So thank you for listening. Um, please share this with Handmade Tale. Handmaid's Tale fans, um, because, you know, it's, it's going to be a select niche of who actually this benefits. So, um, and if for some reason you've listened to this and you haven't watched it, I highly, highly recommend it. Um, incredibly informative and powerful for us as a society. While it is a joy to provide our podcast content as a source of life enrichment, please note that information shared is not intended to replace or contradict any professional therapy or medical advice.